from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. If you drive around South St. Louis, you can definitely come across houses that are crooked. Mm -hmm. And um, you'll oftentimes see that they're for sale, you know, for sale as is. But when you have that much infrastructure, your your runoff uh, concentrates into certain areas, uh, you know, your storm runoff ponds and things like that. But a lot of it has to do with how much water is getting into that area and how quickly that soil erodes. You know, Mother Nature gives you permission whether or not she wants to have a lake there. She decides. I'm Sarah Fenske. Earlier this month, the 17-acre lake at Lone Elk Park went from full to drained nearly to the bottom in the matter of a weekend. The cause? A sinkhole the size of an SUV. The speed of that man-made lake draining and the loss of about one-third of its water was headline news. But the existence of sinkholes in Missouri was not. There are about 16,000 sinkholes here, some reaching a depth of 100 feet. And here today to tell us more is Chris Snapsiger. He is a historian, a contributor to St. Louis Magazine, and archives researcher for the Recorder of Deeds at the City of St. Louis. Chris Snapsiger, welcome back. Thanks for having me. And we're also joined today by Jeremiah Jackson. He's a registered geologist with the Missouri Geological Survey. Jeremiah, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. So, Jeremiah, 16,000 sinkholes. That seems like a lot. Is Missouri particularly prone to sinkholes? Uh, we are. The Missouri has a lot of carbonate geology, carbonate bedrock near the surface. And carbonate bedrock is notorious for dissolution or chemical and, and physical weathering to open up fractures and and uh, just t- dissolving with the acid rain. So tell me, how would this physical weathering end up creating a sinkhole? Walk us through the steps of this with this, this rock we oh. have here. Uh, sure. So essentially you have this carbonate bedrock, which is primarily a, a calcium carbonate, uh, and with time and a significant amount of small bits of acid in, in the rainwater and various other forms of water. It gets down into the rock, dissolves uh, parts of it, and gets into cracks and fractures that were uh, previously there through roots or uh, uh, earthquakes and various things. Hmm. And over time, widens up those cracks, creates a cavern, uh, and slowly the the soil from the surface starts to creep into there and and over time creates a a bowl shape and then sometimes a collapse. Hmm. So, Chris, there have been some prominent sinkholes here in St. Louis City, and this includes one. I can't remember what year this happened, but, man, those photos were everywhere. This sinkhole swallowed up a man's car when he just dropped in at a gym downtown. Is this as simple as natural topography, or does our built environment also play a role in when and where these sinkholes crop up? Well, so there's all sorts of different reasons why, you know, your car might get swallowed up um, in different parts of the city. Certainly um, in downtown, I think that was actually a water main. But Hmm. in in South St. Louis, um, that was an area known as the St. Louis Commons, and it goes all the way back to colonial St. Louis, where that was actually where um, uh, the, the people who lived in, you know, the city of St. Louis or the town of St. Louis were allowed to have their cattle graze. And the reason why it wasn't actually farm fields is because it was that karst topography that was just so completely perforated with sinkholes 
that really people didn't use it for anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think a sinkhole just opened up on Illinois Avenue. And uh, first thing I always do when there's a, a sinkhole report in the news is I go straight to Compton Dry's uh, Pictorial St. Louis from 1876. And, of course, what was there? There was a sinkhole back in 1876. Hmm. Um, also, of course, you know, when there's a large number of houses that are sinking, I go to Compton Dry and I discover that there, there's a quarry there. And I suspect that a lot of quarries uh, originally were sinkholes, that basically um, quarry owners took what was originally a sinkhole and basically started to basically widen it. And hmm. it was an easy start to start a quarry. So there was a natural feature there, and then they expanded yes. it, turned it into what we think of today as, as a man-made feature. But it might indicate this is not a good place to build around. Yeah, and, you know, obviously, um, you know, some of the most iconic and beautiful neighborhoods in St. Louis, Benton Park, Benton Park West, Gravoy Park, Dutchtown, Tower Grove East, Fox Park, um, those neighborhoods are just, you know, just some of our most treasured neighborhoods in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't ask for them to have been built on, but, yeah, there's a lot of sinkholes, Um, (laughs) and I, I, I wouldn't want anyone to be concerned or worried. Um, These sinkholes were filled in over 100 years ago. Your house is safe. Um, It is just kind of creates kind of a great story about how, you know, tens of thousands of St. Louisans live on top of a cave system. And at one point, those caves were very easily accessible from the surface. And uh, now they no longer are for the most part. Hmm. So Chris mentioned this is a great story. And if you've got a sinkhole story, we want to hear from you. Our phone lines are open. Or maybe you have a question about sinkholes with the experts we have here. You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. Share your sinkhole story. Share your questions. Jeremiah, I know you're based in Rolla. Um, what Chris is describing is, is happening in the city and these sort of historic... The, this type of, of geology that we have here. Is this common throughout the state or are some areas more affected than others? Um, yeah, it's throughout uh, most of Missouri. In fact, um, we have a, a sinkhole database that we maintain. And, and like you said, we have over 16,000. Well, m- you know, the, the vast majority of those sinkholes are south of the Missouri River hmm. because that's where the, the bedrock is that supports that, that formation of those features. Uh, but yeah, in the cities, it does tend to be a little bit more prevalent uh, just because of the concentration of people. And when you have that much infrastructure, the, your your runoff uh, concentrates into certain areas, uh, you know, your storm runoff ponds and things like that. And those tend to uh, enhance or, or speed up the formation of sinkholes. Hmm. You mentioned you've got this database. What kind of things are you logging in that? And, and is there a, a hope of where this information will go? Uh, primarily, we keep it just for uh, informational purposes. Mm-hmm. We we try to log the when we have the information and can get it safely. We we try to log the uh, the diameter of the sinkhole, the depth, which is rare because it's not safe to to really measure that um, in a physical way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we we mostly just can confirm or or not in some cases whether a sinkhole exists. We don't uh, have any active remediation that we we perform. Okay. And Jeremiah, if this is something where somebody's looking at, at buying a property, they want to know if their property is, is affected by something in your database. Is, is that something where you're happy to open that up to the public? Uh, yeah. The public can access uh, our sinkhole database and springs and other things through our uh, Geostrat web application, 
available on our website. Hmm. Well, we'll make sure we get a link to that on our website as well. That's stlpr.org if people are interested in checking this out. Chris, you had mentioned another tool, and this is the Compton and Dry map. This dates back to 1876. Tell us about this map. Was this designed specifically to try to map out sinkholes in the city? No, I think actually what it was is really it was... uh, it was really to kind of give an idea of just how vast the city of St. Louis was. Obviously, that's the same year around the Great Divorce, and it's really shocking because, you know, obviously the, the population of St. Louis was supposedly 300,000 in, you know, around that time. And, you know, it just shows this expanse of empty land and all these sinkholes. And, um, you know, it's, it's really surprising to see that, you know, these neighborhoods that we consider to be very, very old, like Benton Park, or even Soulard were still actually not even really even built yet. Hmm. They were still largely, you know, Soulard was the suburbs even wow. in the 1870s. And the, the suburbs, it sounds like the suburbs uh, marked with sinkholes. <laughs> They're right, exactly. running through yeah. the metro area. And particularly the reason why there were so many breweries in South St. Louis, yeah, certainly one of the reasons why there were lots of breweries because there were so many Germans, but also the reason why they came to South St. Louis is because they had all those sinkholes, and those led to caves. And, you know, the Lemp Cave, for example, um, the reason why it was filled with all those bones is because prehistoric animals had been washed or fell into sinkholes, and then clay deposits had preserved their bones in Mm. the Lemp Cave. And almost certainly when they dug it out originally, they had found bones. And then later in the 1940s, they found even more prehistoric animal bones. Wow. It's, it's, It's really unbelievable, actually. Jeremiah, in terms of these sinkholes throughout the state, have there been fines that that suggest, you know, things fell in there hundreds of years ago? Has anything uh, noteworthy come out of them? Um, I'm sure that uh, the the vast answer here is yes. The the one example um, I might be able to give here is the River Bluff Cave in the Springfield area. During an excavation for construction down there, they came across a River Bluff Cave in which they found a lot of sort of prehistoric type uh, or not prehistoric, but uh, sort of Ice Age-type animal bones, you know, mm. large bears and, and uh, saber-toothed tigers and stuff like that, wow. and some cave paintings and whatnot. That's that's extremely cool. And is there the idea that, that these saber-toothed tigers, animals like this, might have fallen into this sinkhole, or is that not not the theory? I can't I can't answer that. I don't know for sure on that one. Okay. Boy, it's just interesting to think about. And, and Chris, earlier you were trying to assure us a bit that this isn't something that we need to worry about. I got to say, hearing how common these are, I'm actually a little more worried even. Why is this not something that we should fear one opening up underneath our house or, again, well, underneath our car? I, I think in general they've been pretty much everything has sort of settled. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are, I mean, you can look at Compton Dry, and you can kind of figure out where you live. Um, I would say that really, um, if your house is going to settle crooked, it's, it's will have done it by now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you drive around South St. Louis, you can definitely come across houses that are crooked, mm-hmm. and um, you'll oftentimes see that they're for sale. And if you go online and you read the uh, real estate listings, um, you'll see they'll say like you know, for sale as is. Um, and that will kind of maybe be a little bit of a clue. Um, I think in general, you know, for example, um, there are houses on my street. I live in Tower Grove East, uh, just up the street from me. And uh, I discovered that there was a giant sinkhole underneath them. Hmm. And uh, they're all perfectly fine. So I think generally, I would not worry about it. Um, I think it just sort of makes the story of St. Louis 
just a little more colorful and more interesting, to hmm. be honest. Um, but don't buy an Aquario. <laughs> don't buy an Aquari. That is good. Jeremiah, I'm curious about your take on this. Chris mentioned there are some houses down the street that, uh, you know, sound like they have a sinkhole underneath them. Is this something that, that people should worry about or something they should try to mitigate? Uh, I don't know that uh, I, I agree with Chris. I don't know that I would be fearful of it. Just be aware. Um, in Missouri, we don't have a lot of what I would call collapse type sinkholes. We have mostly slow subsidence sinkholes where it, you know, over hundreds and thousands of years, they slowly get bigger and you, you'll sometimes you'll see a bowl shape maybe in your yard. But um, a lot of times uh, they, they're so slow that you won't recognize it in a lifetime. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I think it, it happens um, in most of the metropolitan areas, maybe not Kansas City, but the other the other areas of the state. A lot of a lot of uh, neighborhoods are built around or on top of sinkholes, and uh, we don't have a uh, we don't hear about a lot of issues with those. And and Jeremiah, you mentioned there's a difference between the collapse versus the slow subsidence. Is that triggered mm-hmm. by which kind of rock formation um, is is part of this? Uh, in part, um, but a lot of it has to do with how much water is getting into that area and how quickly that soil erodes. Uh, so there's a lot of different factors that go into that. Sometimes it's the thickness of the soil above, you know, how much weight is pushing down on that crevice. Um, sometimes a, a single action uh, of a flood or a significant drought can uh, enhance the, the speed of that opening up on the surface. But for the most part, it's, it's pretty slow. So the fact that we have a relatively regular rainfall here, we're not having mm-hmm. massive periods of drought, massive monsoons, that might be part of why this isn't as dramatic here as, as maybe some other places? Part of it, for sure. Okay. You also mentioned people might notice a bowl shape in their yard. You mean almost like an indentation? Uh, yeah. Usually, I mean, I don't know usually, but several several feet in diameter or sometimes tens of feet in diameter, you'll have sort of a just a slow dip in your yard. And is that something that if you see that, you might want to look into mitigation or it's just, hey, this, this might be related to a sinkhole? Uh, yeah, mitigation would be good, primarily just keeping out the surface flow. If you can, you know, move gutters away from it. If your downspouts are pointing toward that area, uh, go around it. Try, try to keep as much uh, water out of it as possible uh, if, you, if you suspect it's a sinkhole. Okay. I want to go to the phone lines. Richard is calling from St. Louis. Uh, Richard, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Hello. Thank you for uh, letting me add this comment to what Chris is saying. <laughs> yes, please. Just south of Tower Grove Park, is a document at the Recorder of Deeds office that shows a survey of the area that was once Old McDonald's Farm. All of this area around here, owned by James McDonald, and this was a partition of his property, uh, including a little tiny pencil mark that says mine shaft. Oh. And and what do you know anything about what this mine shaft was about? Were they drilling down there? I'm, I'm guessing it's a coal or clay mine. I I don't have any idea. I don't know anything about mining. Interesting, so. Chris Nafziger. Does <laughs> this bring any any uranium or something? <laughs> yeah, actually. So first of all, hello, Richard. I hope you're doing well. And um, yeah, so the Recorder D's office um, has this absolutely amazing collection of plat maps and survey books going all the way back for over 200 years. Hmm. And uh, Michael Butler has been really helping us digitize them. And so they're very easy for people. They're, they're public records. You can come down and look at them. Um, and yes, the Russell family, they owned clay and coal mines 
in Tower Grove South. Hmm. And that mine shaft, and you can see cool stuff like surveys. A lot of those surveys were done by generals um, in the U.S. Army when there wasn't a war. A lot of generals actually were surveyors. And what they were doing is they were surveying all the mine shafts that are underneath Tower Grove South. And again, you don't need to worry about them. They've all been <laughs> dormant for over a century. And the reason that Tower Grove South was built when it was is because basically the Russells decided that their coal mines and their clay mines were no longer um, producing enough money and income that they basically closed them down and they discovered that basically the land on the surface was worth more than the natural resources underneath the Hmm. land. So yeah, there's just, I'm telling you, there's just so many amazing surveys that show sinkholes. Um, There's this just amazing history um, of documentation of what the land used to look here before the city was built. It's just it's fascinating. Mm. Chris, I love how much you geek out on this stuff. It, it's oh, great. It's, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, particularly because so much of, you know, we think about St. Louis being a small city that's hemmed in in these really small borders. But for much of St. Louis's history, much of uh, what's in our boundaries was actually countryside. Mm. Well, Richard, we want to thank you for that question. That's certainly interesting. And hearing about this mine shaft and some of these man-made things that are underground or man-made holes, this makes me think again of of Lone Elk Park and the sinkhole that opened up there. Jeremiah, the fact that this lake was man-made, does that have anything, does that play in at all to the sinkhole that opened up there? Possibly. Uh, We're we're not actively involved in in that investigation, uh, but uh, yeah, man, man-made uh, water holding structures uh, have historically caused um, some pretty significant collapses in Missouri's history. Um, one of the, the more prominent ones is the West Plains Lagoon, Waste Lagoon, back in the, I believe it was 74 or 76, uh, which collapsed a, a, a large sinkhole and millions of gallons of untreated waste hit the hit the. Uh, underground waterways it got in people's wells uh, all the way down to mammoth springs arkansas uh and uh, a lot of people were sickened by that yeah that's that sounds like the worst case scenario having untreated waste uh lone elk park obviously we're just dealing with with water there (laughs) where did uh, jeremiah do we know where the water went that drained out of this lake and and down this hole yeah largely by reports uh that i've heard uh, it stayed uh near surface um but again, I don't have any details on you know, where it would have gone uh, in subsurface. And so the idea is that the water would just sort of spread out into the groundwater? Is there, is there tracing that's done in these sort of situations? You can. Um, it's possible to do water tracing with dye or, or other types of uh, water tracers where you would put it into the sinkhole with the water. And then uh, ideally you would have set up some uh, reception points downstream where you think the water is going to come up and hopefully you... <laughs> pick the right ones. Okay. Boy, that's all uh, That's all very interesting. So this man-made lake, those can be a factor. Will this happen again at Lone Elk Park unless there's some serious remediation here? What do we know about that, Jeremiah? Uh, I suspect that there there's a good possibility for another sinkhole to open up in Lone, in Lone Elk Park Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, but that's with any, I, I mean, there could be one anywhere and St. Louis, for that matter, with a good enough rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, they they have some, some ideas to, that they're working with uh, to try to remediate that. And, and uh, I'll be interested to see how, how it works. 
Okay. Well, Chris, in our final minute here, I know you're a fan of these stories about St. Louis. Uh, do you see any cautionary tale here in this this tale of a man-made lake well, and the SUV-sized you know, sinkhole? You know, what pops into my head is, you know, there's the lake in Benton Park, and you talk to enough people who've grown up in St. Louis, and many people remember that time that they went to bed and the water looked perfectly fine in Benton Park's lake, and they woke up in the morning and all the water had drained out of it in the middle of the night because mm. the basin had cracked and all the water had drained down into English Cave. And uh, so, I don't know. Artificial lakes um, don't have a great track record. Uh, Mother Nature wants, <laughs> you know, Mother Nature gives you permission whether or not she wants to have a lake there or not. And you're always constantly battling her about whether or not um, she's going to allow you to have a lake there. She decides. She decides. Well, that's the perfect note to end on. Chris Chris Nafsager, I want to thank you so much for joining us again today. Thank you. And Chris, again, is a historian. He's a contributor to St. Louis Magazine and archives researcher for the Recorder of Deeds, which has an amazing cache of these records. That's with the city of St. Louis. And also Jeremiah Jackson. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Sarah. And Jeremiah is a registered geologist. He is with the Missouri Geological Survey. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.